0: Funk Radio is brought to you by Overmental.com, the media culture hive mind.
1: Hello, funky listeners, and welcome to another episode of Funk Radio. This is your host, Kyle.
0: And this is your host, Peter. I love another episode of Funk Radio, don't you?
1: Yeah, especially since it's been a little bit. Yeah. So. We don't really have any uh, good excuses, though. (laughs) Not really. We kind of just, I don't know.
0: Well, I I, I guess we've been having a hard time coming up with good topics lately.
1: Yeah, that's true. It took us a bit of brainstorming to think of some non-boring topics since 114 episodes in and what do you know, we covered everything.
0: Yeah, it's kind of lunk, like lunk. when you're married for 20 years and, like, the magic is gone. You have to, like, think of ways to keep things interesting.
1: It. I call it the Simpsons Syndrome. You've been on for so long and you've done so many episodes that you just run out of things to talk about. <laughs> That's why The Simpsons is terrible now.
0: <laughs> now that we've kind of built up the, the our topic for today for our listeners, making it sound like it's the best thing ever after a month of not coming up let's
1: just let's disappoint you yeah uh what we actually thought of talking about is a totally super awesome topic is 80s songs that were originally done in the 60s um and more often than not in our research we found that the 80s version was more popular Mm -hmm. so it kind of falls into line with that whole sequel or covers that are more popular than the originals. Yeah. Um, But it's funny because, yeah, in the the 80s, there was a lot of artists kind of going at the treasure troves of, like, obscure 60s songs and kind of, like, rebranding them, you know, with that kind of quintessential 80s sound. Hmm. And they ended up becoming, you know, way more successful oftentimes than the originals were. But then, you know, some of these songs that you associate so much with the 80s when you realize that they're actually... Originally written and/or performed in the '60s, it just kind of blows your mind.
0: Yes, it's an educational experience.
1: Yeah, we gonna educate you real good.
0: <laughs> well, should I start us off with our list? Sure. Okay. <laughs> you didn't sound very enthusiastic there.
1: Go ahead. Fine. Dick. Dick
0: um. <laughs> Probably one of and uh, one of the more popular um, songs that you can think think of for this topic, and I think one of the ones that kind of inspired us um, to compile this list uh, was the song "You Can't Hurry Love," um, which was covered by Phil Collins um, in 1982, but was originally by the Supremes in 1966.
1: Fun uh, fact, Phil Collins is that guy that sang that song I can feel it coming in the air tonight drum solo
0: and that's what we call <laughs> the the 80s sound
1: and that's what we call Phil Collins it! <laughs> worst amalgamation of, what's the word, portmanteau mm. of Two words ever.
0: Well, okay.
1: I don't really <laughs> have a response that, to any of that. Now that I've killed the air, <laughs> let's see
0: if I can bring it back to life. Um, so, like I said, um, Phil Collins released his version of You Can't Hurry Love in November of 1982. Um, this was from his second solo, solo album uh, called Hello, I Must Be Going. Um, it's by far, I, I mean, I, obviously, this is by far the most notable cover of the song. And you could probably say that this is more popular than the original was. All right. it's, kind of, it's kind of a, a toss-up for this, um, and I'll get to that in a second. Um, but for me personally, I heard his, his version of the song way before I discovered the Supremes version later on.
1: I didn't know there was a Supremes version until you told me.
0: Oh, well, now I do. Or now you do. Now we all do. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I guess um, that was... so. That's how. Which order should I go into? This is kind of confusing. Um, so when I was talking about like, oh, which one was more popular? It's kind of hard to say because, um, in the U.S., Phil Collins' version reached number ten um, on you know on the on the charts and everything. Um, but in the U.K., it actually did reach number one, which is actually higher than the original version performed there. Um, but the Supremes' version in 1966, which was 16 years earlier, um, that reached number one in the U.S., so I guess whichever one is more popular, I guess depends on the country you're in. But since we're in America, I will just say the original is more popular.
1: Another fun fact about Phil Collins: uh, when he was with the band Genesis, he was the lead singer and the drummer. That's true. Which is very rare for bands to be singer slash drummer.
0: Yeah, uh, I guess okay. So, I, so I actually found a quote um, from Phil Collins when he was talking about like when they were making this cover of the song. And uh, he says, quote, the idea of doing Can't Hurry Love was to see if Hugh Paddingham and I could duplicate that 60 sound. It's very difficult today because most recording facilities are so much more sophisticated than they were back then. Um, it's therefore hard to make the drums sound as rough as they did on the original. That's what we were going after, a remake, not an interpretation, but a remake. I thought that was kind of an interesting take on, uh, on the cover because usually, like, a lot of the times you'll see that... A band will keep the basic tune and the lyrics, obviously, but they'll put like their own stylistic spin on it. Um, And he does to a certain extent, but it's pretty close. I mean, like in terms of a lot of different aspects of it, it's pretty close to the original in the way it sounds.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, So uh, you can kind of tell that he was going for like an actual remake of it versus like his own interpretation of it, if that makes sense. Yeah, So that's kind of cool um, So we, we have actually I, I feel like we've talked about The Supremes version of the song on the show
1: um, Well now I feel even worse for not knowing that it's, But you claim <laughs> that you don't existed. know that So
0: maybe we haven't, I actually don't know
1: We um, may have, I have selective memory loss
0: Well um, Like you said earlier, we've done What, 114 episodes So it's hard, yeah, to, re- it's hard to remember every single song We've ever talked about um, <laughs> but the song, uh, the original song, uh, was actually, it, it's considered like a memory of a mother's words of encouragement. Um, you know, the mother is telling her daughter that, um, she just has to be patient and then, you know, she'll eventually find that special someone someday. Um, and that's why, that's mm-hmm. why like the, the main chorus, they say, you can't hurry, love. You just have to wait. Was it love don't come easy? It's a game of give and take or something I I don't remember the exact lyrics but um they're basically saying yeah you know you can't don't rush into it you know just take your time and
1: it'll work out yeah if you fall too hard and then the other girl right the the significant other does not fall as quickly
0: doesn't yeah doesn't end up being as
1: significant as you thought I've 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 done my share of that in my formative years
0: oh we all have fun times and i i feel like we, we have talked about this in rames you know themselves a lot of times on the show and um i don't think we've done an actual episode on this yet but i feel like we should at some point um uh, talking about like the, the connection of a lot of these early 60s do up slash r&b bands who were inspired by gospel music
1: that would actually be an interesting topic write that down
0: okay write it down listeners on our facebook page because <laughs> we're gonna forget um but uh, they they were definitely, um, you know, one of these groups who was strongly influenced by gospel music. And um, uh, fun fact that this this song, You Can't Hurry Love, was actually, I, I wouldn't say a ripoff, but it was very strongly influenced by a song called You Can't Hurry God, He's Right on Time uh, by the original gospel harmonettes.
1: <laughs> What's that song by that chick that was famous in the 90s? I forgot her name she sang that song what if god was one of us
0: oh yeah you know what i'm talking about yeah i do
1: yeah i totally <laughs> spacing spacing on her name right now
0: well why don't you look that up and while you do that let's listen to a clip of uh you can't hurry love first by um the first the cover version by phil collins and then right after that you'll listen to a clip of the original by the supremes and listen um like i was saying like remember how he wanted to like make a pretty close remake of the song. Listen to the similarities between these two versions. was two versions of You Can't Hurry Love the first by Phil Collins and the second by the Supremes yay um Kyle did you figure out who sang yes that uh, song it
1: is Joan Osborne no relation to Ozzy Osborne oh okay I think she's sort of a one hit wonder but that was a crazy famous song what year is that 1995 yeah I was five I'm old <laughs> Well. Speaking of old. <laughs> yeah, I was um, trying to
0: think of a segue, but we don't have one.
1: Here's an, <laughs> I'll pull one out of my ass. Um, Here's <laughs> here's another oldie but a goodie. Um, this is the song that kind of inspired me when you mentioned this subject matter, because I know we talked about this at some point before. Possibly I think it like, was somewhat recently, because like, you
0: you turned me on to the original version of this only within the last couple of months
1: yeah I remember I saw the original post on reddit and I'm like Tainted Love what, does, isn't that an 80s song saw that it was um, originally performed in the 60s and I was like holy cow this doesn't sound anything like the one I'm thinking of Yeah. Um, but yeah spoiler alert I'm talking about Tainted Love um, <laughs> yeah Tainted Love the song by the 80s kind of one hit wonder band or two hit wonder band Soft Cell was originally performed by a little-known R&B artist called Gloria Jones. Now, Soft Cell, the 80s band, were an English synth-pop duo, because there wasn't, you know, a shitload of those back then, (laughs) Um, consisting of vocalist Mark Almond and instrumentalist David Ball. Um, They're predominantly known for this song, Tainted Love, which came off their 81 debut album, Nonstop Erotic Cabaret. (laughs)
0: That's a pretty cool... It's gotta stop
1: eventually. No one can last forever.
0: Oh, think again, Kyle. (laughs) What was their... Uh, I I actually don't know, because you said there were two-hit wonder. What was their other song?
1: uh, Their other song was... Standby. I'm totally spacing right now, and Porch, which was number two in the UK. Oh. Tainted Love was number one. Who? Um Fun fact: uh, a lot of their songs have actually been covered by various various artists, including Nine Inch Nails, Marilyn Manson, and Aha. Remember Aha? Yeah, interesting. Another one-hit wonder because remember they had that music video with the weird. <laughs> 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 yeah, like, love it drawing shit (laughs) yes the weird drawing shit (laughs) you know not animation weird drawing shit (laughs) um yeah so yeah um tainted love by soft Cell. super it's it's almost like one of those songs when you're like think of an 80s song and immediately like that song pops in your head yeah Um, yeah because it's very synthy i -hmm. guess if that makes any sense however the original um was done by an R&B artist, Gloria Jones as I said before, who was actually fairly well known in England, which is probably why this English duo covered it. But Hmm. not really known, she wasn't really known in the US very much. She was actually known more for her marriage to Mark Bolin of T-Rex which T-Rex is outside of being an awesome dinosaur thing that kills people, (laughs) was a I assume that's not what she was married to. this up. Damn it. Uh, this is what I get for typing in T Rex in. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, for those of you that don't know, T Rex was an English rock band formed in 1967.
0: So she was married to
1: one of, one of and the people from that. there. was married to a rock guy. That's kind of cool. Hmm. That's not often happens. And he was white. How scandalous. It actually was kind of scandalous back then.
0: Oh, I guess she was black.
1: Yes. Mm. That's cool. Um. Interesting. Um but quick, what's nineteen eighty one subtracted by 70? seventeen? Seventeen. Seventy one. I don't know. Sixty four. Sixty-four. So this um was performed in nineteen sixty four, originally. Hmm. Um and it says her version actually went to number one in England, so it's probably it's a, it's equally as popular. Um, oh, in England, okay. Yeah, in the US, it went to number eight. It spent forty three weeks in the top one hundred, which was actually a record at the time. Oh wow! Um,
0: no so wait, It says that. that the, I fuck up? no 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 uh, it's, it, no. I'm just saying that the soft sell version was also number eight in the US. Sister. So did they were they the same numbers in both places? Maybe. That's weird. Yeah, forty three so, weeks though. Damn.
1: Seriously, um, but yeah, Gloria Jones's version sounds way more R and B ish. That's a word. Um, yeah, yeah. Despite kind of having the same tempo, so we we'll play both back to back. We'll play Soft Cell's version and then we'll play Gloria Jones's version. It's weird how, despite all the similarities, there's like massive differences as well. Take my tears and that's not really Oh, tainted love oh, tainted love Now I know I've got to
0: run away
1: I've got to get away You don't really want any love from me To make things right You need someone to hold you tight And who thinks
0: the- This is another one where I, I obviously kind of as we said before we heard the cover of this much way way, yeah, way exactly. earlier um i th- I, I, I like the meats for different reasons i think
1: yeah i wouldn't have Stylistic. Known, about, known about the original if it wasn't for reddit hooray yay for reddit for giving me the knowledges i'm glad you read it kyle what are we gotta make mr peter <laughs> is that a banana rama in your pocket or are you just happy to see me
0: both um, I also, I also kept it in here because it made me laugh out loud when we were doing the notes. You, you he wrote he was really saying something by the Banana I don't know, but the duh in front of that made me laugh for some reason. Is it not? Is
1: it it's not it's just it's just Banan-a-rama, not the Bananarama. Son of a bitch. <laughs> um,
0: mm-hmm. so the songs he was really saying something by. The banana rama, I guess, originally by um, the Motown girl group, uh, the Velvettes. This is another case where, like, this cover version is like easily the most popular um, among any, any of the other ones that were done. Um, so the, the God damn it, not the banana. I'm gonna. <laughs> All right, we're just gonna go with it. The Banana Rama covered it um, in 1982. Um, we've obviously never really talked about them on the show because they're not really in any of the genres that we really ever talk about but if you don't know um they were really popular throughout pretty much the entire 80s um and uh they were a british pop girl group um known for such songs as it ain't what you do uh shy boy and na na hey hey kiss him goodbye and uh this song he was really saying something is among also their their top hits as well Uh, this comes from their debut album which was called deep sea skydiving and the song actually features male vocal trio Fun Boy Three, and so when this when this cover became popular um, in 1982, it was actually uh, considered a hit for both groups together, which is kind of cool. Um, so I'm trying to think—we ever talked about the Valettes.
1: I don't think so. I, that name doesn't sound familiar to me at all. Yeah, I
0: mean they're one of like the lesser-known um, Motown groups in in the early '60s. And so 18 years prior to the Ban- Bananarama version, um, they recorded you know the original version of, uh, of the song. He was really saying something. Um, it was produced and co-written. Um, it was written by like three or four different people, but um, it was produced and co-written by <coughs> Norman
1: Whitfeld. Sorry, what? I was just going to say, as every Motown song. Yeah, exactly, been.
0: pretty much. Right. Um, but uh, by Norman Whitfeld, which I believe, we I know we've talked about it. I think we always talk about him when we talk about The Temptations. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember if he was like the or their original producer that they originally got rid of in, um, in favor of someone else, or if he was the one who took over. Since this is in the '64, I'm wondering if he was like the older style of the Temptations um, during the '60s, and the, which they original which they later replaced um, with a more like funk-based sound in the early '70s.
1: Yeah, um, he actually pr- was the their producer and songwriter from sixty nine to seventy three. When I know we talked about this. Before, oh, so he actually kinda, he was the one who kind of. He was when they brought in afterwards, kind of re- rebrand them as a more okay psychedelic group. It's when they came out with Pop Was a Rolling Stone, oh, yeah. fusion, a little bit more edgy stuff.
0: Interesting. Even though he was kind of like the more traditional type writer producer in the earlier sixties. Yeah, that's cool.
1: Oh, it says here. Uh, I don't know if we ever mentioned this. He, he started his own label, Whitfield Records, in '75, which yielded Rose the Rose Royce hit "Car Wash."
0: Oh, I didn't know that. I love that song. Yeah,
1: Did you ever watch the movie? The Car Wash? Yeah.
0: I didn't know there was a movie.
1: The oh my gosh, seriously! The um, the song was written for this um, movie called car wash came out in 76 total black exploitation, but it's like a pseudo it's a pseudo comedy about all these uh black kids that work at this like car wash and for whatever reason the band is in the film that sounds kind of awesome yeah <laughs> kind of want to yeah watch I, I watched it a long time ago it's got uh george carlin's in it for whatever reason <laughs> um who else is famous the pointer sisters richard Pryor. What the so, heck? I've never even heard
0: of this. That's cool. Yeah.
1: You got to check it out. It's actually, it's, it's like one of those like super cult movies, but it's pretty funny. Oh,
0: well, that's cool. So listeners, if you like the song car wash, you should also check out the movie. Apparently. Yes. Um, let's see. Um, so regarding, uh, the song, he was really saying something. Um, this was actually the second most successful release, uh, for the Velvetts. um, I had to look up what their successful, most successful song was and it was actually, I found this interesting it was their last song that they recorded huh. um, uh, which, or maybe their last single or whatever but it was These Things Will Keep Me Loving You which was in 1971 oh, wow. which seemed kind of late to me That's for groups said, like
1: this I've never heard of the Velvetts, but they were around for at least what, eight years?
0: Yeah, Seven years. I, know they were, I think they were around for a couple of years before this song came out so it was roughly ten years I'm surprised they were there as late as
1: 71 um well, remember remember in 71 uh motown moved to la right and a lot of like you know detroit area bands were like fuck that and just broke up
0: uh but even then like, even like before that happened i'm surprised because they were such like a smaller name for that label i'm surprised that they stayed on
1: for that long yeah yeah that's true
0: um it also i also read that um, they because they were one of these minor acts, they never actually released a full length album. They only they released, released a couple of like singles? a couple of singles, yeah. That's funny. So it's crazy considering that they were around for at least that long, but like they us. never they, released an
1: album. They're like us; they just got together every couple of months, <laughs> recorded a thingy,
0: basically just so they can say they are at Motown. Yeah, exactly. That's fun. We funny. do it
1: just we do it just so we can say we're podcasters
0: i suppose um so why don't we listen to uh, uh two versions of he was really saying something um first by the banana rama and then second oh, <laughs> second by uh, the bell
1: the Velvelets makes me think of Velveeta
0: I never made that mental association but now, now I probably I always imagine, will
1: now I'm imagining them covered in Velveeta hmm <laughs> it's like Taste of Honey except it's like melted cheese yeah
0: I was gonna say it's like one of those Ohio, Ohio Players uh, yeah, album covers exactly. but they're covering each other in cheese
1: <laughs> oh, that's man. really bizarre that would actually be kind of a funny like what's the word like parody
0: of a, I <laughs> maybe we're, maybe maybe we're pronouncing it wrong. Maybe it's the Velvetas.
1: Velveeta. <laughs> the velvetets
0: Well, uh, that's an issue. Itch- I I would I would actually like to see that if that was an album cover. I would would see them covered in cheese.
1: <laughs>
0: I don't know why. It just seems like an interesting idea.
1: Now I know one of your kinks, Peter. Well, <laughs> um, uh, that image really hurt so bad. Speaking of which, um, <laughs> wait—the
0: the image of the cheese or the image of that being one of my kinks?
1: A little bit of both. <laughs> hmm. A long time ago, like in high school, they came out cause with a baked Cheetos version of puffy Cheetos that was white cheddar, and it was the shit. Oh damn! And I never saw it again. I bought bought the bag, like, once. I was like, oh my god, this is the shit. Never saw it again. And to this day, I have not been able to find them
0: anymore. I hate when they do that, when they release, like, a, like a
1: bomb-ass like flavor. F-
0: bomb flavor that's amazing. Yeah. And then they're like, well, we're not filling three billion of them, so we're not going to make them anymore.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's, it's like Lay's with those, like, new flavors that they're testing out. Like, some of them are actually pretty damn good, and they're like, oh, oh they're gone. Yeah. no, Although, that's what he is <laughs> chicken- for, right? the chicken and waffles one did leave much to be desired those those were just cancer yeah they pretty much were were. cancer the
0: sriracha ones were actually pretty good i never tried those but that sounds good
1: yeah it was basically just like spicy potato chips like that kind of like with the sriracha chase slightly sriracha flavor but again i freaking would put sriracha on ice cream if i could (laughs) (laughs) my my girlfriend i forgot what it, what it was for my birthday or christmas or whatever she got me a little keychain that's a, like a mini sriracha bottle that you can refill so oh you can dude sriracha with you everywhere
0: that's awesome
1: yeah it's pretty dope i don't actually keep it on my keys cuz i have a fear it's going to like explode in my pocket but it's 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 portable you can keep it like emergency. in your jacket
0: pocket or something
1: yeah it's it's emergency sriracha situations sriracha situations <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh god why don't we talk about our next song
1: okay um, the next song is Hurt So Bad um, done in the 80s by Linda Ronstad but was originally performed by Little Anthony and the Imperials in the 60s cool um, for those of you that don't know who Linda Ronstad is shame on you <laughs> uh, she is actually like she's one of those artists that's so ubiquitous like her shit's in like every dollar bin in the country she's one of those <laughs> What a legacy. Uh, She's she's collaborated with artists in a very diverse spectrum of genres, including Bette Midler, Billy Eckstein, Frank Zappa, Rosemary Clooney, Flacco Jimenez, Philip Glass, Warren Zevon. I love Warren Zevon. You should check him out if you don't know him. He sang that song, um, American Werewolf in London. Not the movie, the song. Um, (laughs) He sang the movie. He sang the movie. Dolly Parton, Neil Young, Johnny Cash, and Nelson... I don't know who Nelson Riddle is. Uh, It's a
0: riddle. So these are all people that um, she's she's collaborated with. with. Yeah, that's pretty cool.
1: She's lent her voice to over 120 albums and sold more than 100 million records, making her one of the world's best-selling artists of all time. That's pretty cool. Boom. Yeah, she's like seriously like whenever I go record diving or music diving, inevitably there is some Linda Ronstadt albums in there (laughs) because I think she had like 50 shitload billion albums.
0: (laughs) That's my favorite number.
1: <laughs> it's not fifty billion, it's fifty shitload billion. <laughs> it's a metric shit ton <laughs> Um But this particular song, um, Hurt So Bad is off of her eighty nineteen eighty album Mad Love, which hit number three on the Billboard charts.
0: Sweet. Um
1: Now the Little Anthony version Little Anthony Imperials are were, were fairly famous in their own right. Um and this song actually did have quite a bit of fame, but not nearly as much as Ron Stance. Um, but, it's funny because, for, with the Little Anthony band, after they wrote the song Come a Little Bit Closer with uh, artist Tommy Boyce, Bobby Hart, um, the, one of the singers of the band, signed with DCP Records, and ended up I'm lost on this story. Who the fuck is Randazzo? <laughs> uh, fact check okay um Teddy Randazzo was actually a record producer slash songwriter who helped the Imperials write some of their early hits okay um and DCP stands for Donna Costa Productions label um where they did some some of their most famous songs like I'm on the outside looking in going out of my head hurt so bad hmm. um and what hurt so bad was done in 1965 by the way in case I forgot to mention. Um so Rendazzo, yeah, Rendazzo helped them write uh some of these really big hit songs and after they did, you know, I'm on the outside, going out of my head, they the label was like, You guys gotta come up with another hit. Hmm. So Little Anthony, Hart and Randazzo during a performance in Las Vegas Went into a conference room between sets and just came up with this song out of the blue. Oh wow! Which is about a man who feels intense pain when he sees his former love. Um, So yeah, basically. Hence the the name hurts so bad. Exactly. So basically, the whole inception of this song was basically it was written between concert sets. Wow. I suppose isn't that unusual, but usually songs take a bit.
0: It's kind of impressive that they just kind of just thought of it on the fly like that.
1: Pretty much. Who was the artist that wrote the song while, well, like, sitting on the fucking toilet? I know we told that story. I want to, I want to it? say
0: it was... Was it... Well, uh, When a Man uh, Loves Lionel a Ritchie? Woman or
1: something. Oh.
0: Um, but that might be wrong, because I remember trying to look that up again later and couldn't find that fact. I know it was something like that, though. One of those, yeah, it, One of those like, one-hit wonder soul guys.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. I think, uh, for some reason, I thought it was Lionel Richie, but I don't want to imagine Lionel Richie on the toilet.
0: No, it was not Lionel Richie. It was definitely, like, someone a lot less. um,
1: I'm now imagining Lionel Richie sitting on the toilet. He sees his reflection in the bathroom mirror and looks over very slowly and says, Hello? Is it me I'm looking for? (laughs) Okay. Oh, too, too creepy. Um... But yeah, hurts So Bad, originally written by Little Anthony and the Imperials, pe- between sets of performing their prior hits. Um, yeah, I like their version better, but I'm not a big Linda Ronstadt fan, to be honest. Mm-hmm. But I really like Little Anthony's voice, because it sounds... He's one of those guys who, when you first hear the band, you're like, there's no way that's a dude, because it's <laughs> so high.
0: Um, Too bad we didn't mention that in that episode we had a while back, about that sort of thing. Dude sounds like a lady yeah
1: oh yeah we did have an episode where we talked about like really falsetto voices
0: yeah that ended up being like a sub topic of that episode yeah yeah yeah. but yeah, yeah that was a good one
1: i remember now um oh wow a lot of people covered this song alicia keys uh i don't know any of these other people actually little phonics uh, hmm. and that's about it <laughs> cool <laughs> Um, So yeah, let's listen to both versions. First we'll do the Ronstadt version, and then we'll do the Little Anthony version. You you listeners can tell us which one you prefer. (laughs) It's Little Anthony's. Standing here.
0: That was, what hurt so bad? Yep, yeah, pretty good song. Yep. We hope your listeners weren't hurt so bad to that last song. <laughs> we on Funk Radio will never hurt you.
1: Oh, ne- what's that song? Never gonna. Oh, the fucking rip roll song. Never gonna give you up. Never gonna let you down. Never gonna. Well, there's also around.
0: never gonna give you up.
1: Oh uh, yeah, by yeah, what's his face? Yeah. Slash the Black Keys. Oh yeah, I forgot
0: to do it too. <laughs> well, well, let's let's go on to our next song because we, we we still got two more, or technically four more, we have to cover here. Um, Fuck. But yeah. <laughs> no, we're we're making we're making good progress. This is true. Uh, so uh, the next one that I'm going to mention, actually the last one I'm going to mention, uh, is a song called "Together" um, by Tierra, originally uh, by The Intruders. Um, now, if you don't know, and I actually didn't know this, I've never heard of Tierra. I don't know if they were. Right. It, didn't, it didn't seem to me like they were that popular.
1: That means ground in Spanish.
0: Now we know. Um, uh, they they didn't they didn't, they don't strike me as a really uh, hugely popular band um, in the '80s, but never, nonetheless, um, they did uh, they did record uh, the song together in 1980. Um and this was actually their biggest hit, even though it was a cover. I always kind of feel bad for bands when that happens. When yeah. like their original stuff isn't like their most popular, but
1: Yeah, I know. It's just like you couldn't come up with anything on your own, you just took someone else's song and that ended up giving you the most success. Yeah. Um, so if you don't
0: know, um they were a Latin R and B band originally from LA. Um, and they were established in the late 1970s. and so, like I said, this came out in nineteen eighty, so not too long after they uh, they formed. Like I said, they're Latin R and um, B. That genre is also referred to as Chicano rock. That I, I was reading up on that on that genre actually, and it's not really, they, it was saying that it's not really held together by any like particular trends really, in terms of sound or direction, other than like the obvious like the Mexican American culture of the bands. Um, the really only like singularity between all the bands within that genre is just that they have a really strong um, R&B influence. Um, Mm -hmm. And that kind of makes sense in this particular case, because it's a cover of an R&B song from 67. Um, And I believe they did do a couple other covers of, uh, of these types of songs as well. But as I mentioned, um, this was originally by the intruders in 1967. So what is that 13 years earlier yes. yeah so um probably one of the smallest gaps actually yeah. in terms of the ones we've been talking about so the intruders uh, were one of the first soul groups to have songs um under the songwriting uh, direction of kenny gamble and leon huff also known as just gamble and huff um as they would later become known uh as kind of like the, the major songwriting duo of uh philadelphia international records and so the uh, you know them as the writers and the intruders as a group um kind of had a pretty big influence on the development of uh, Philadelphia soul in the 60s huh.
1: i like the intruders
0: yeah i want to say we mentioned them not that long ago but i, I we it well, I, I must have been a while cuz i, I think
1: we mentioned the song cowboys to girls but i might be wrong cuz i know that's like one i don't
0: think of songs we did well. you sure uh, like, as we mentioned, we kind of forget. So we we very well may have, but I don't.
1: I don't know. I don't remember. I'm trying to think. Whatever. Were they the ones who did that originally? that I don't know if they did it originally, but they did it. Oh, okay. Well, that's cool. Uh, yeah. Oh, that's sad. Cowboys to Girls remains the the intruder's only chart topping single of their career.
0: No. Oh. Yeah, and like, because we I was saying how Tierra isn't you know wasn't wasn't that hugely popular um but I don't, I don't think the intruders really were either
1: no they weren't super big i think they were more
0: because like sometimes you get bands who like at the time weren't like hugely popular and had a lot of hits but when you look back like they were like they laid some of the groundwork for like a style of music mm-hmm. versus being like hugely popular in, the, in their own right so yeah should we go ahead and listen to a clip of this song We'll we'll listen to the cover by Tierra together with the original version by the Intruders. hope you enjoyed those two songs together
1: just like yes just like we often forget what songs we talk about on the show i forgot to be your lover peter
0: (laughs) um i don't think you forgot or at least i hope i I, no. (laughs) (laughs) i think that's just not happening you're not getting any of this kind of oh
1: covered in cheese (laughs) god um
0: the you're ruining cheese for me very quickly
1: And that's hard to do. Um The last and final song of our list is <laughs> I Forgot to Be Shut Up. Shut up. I know what I'm saying. Is I Forgot to Be Your Lover, uh performed in nineteen eighty-six by Billy Idol, who we I know we've never talked about on this show. Uh it was originally done by William Bell, who I know we have talked about on this show. We have um yeah. Billy Idol's version was off his nineteen eighty six album. Whiplash Smile, which went to... This song off the album went to number eight in the Billboard charts. Fun, stupid fact about Billy Idol. His real name is an idol, who would have thought? Um, his real name is William Broad, and the name Idol is based on a report card that he received that said, quote, William is an idol student. Idol being spelled I-D-L-E, as in he didn't do shit. Hmm. Um. And he was going to use the name Billy Idol with that spelling I D L E, but decided on an alternate spelling of the surname so that it wouldn't conflict with Monty Python cast member Eric Idol.
0: That's bizarre.
1: So he was either gonna be, he was either gonna be Billy Ain't Do Shit or Billy Awesome Sex God. <laughs> Billy Ain't Do Shit. <laughs> Billy Ain't Do Shit. That's um, funny. It's just funny how t- terribly different the connotations of those two spellings are.
0: Yeah. Um, also I, I think it would have been okay if he kept his original last name because he would have just been Billy Broad
1: that's pretty dope actually I agree yeah. everyone loves alliteration yeah. <laughs> Billy Broad dick <laughs> sure <laughs> and that's how he became a porn star <laughs> Um. so yeah now, I mean Idol is kind of way far out of our genre because hmm. he's kind of like glam punk I guess would be the best possible way to describe him mm. um, he did songs like White Wedding and other shit that I Google right now White Wedding which has <laughs> alliteration yep um, Dancing with Myself, White Wedding, Rebel Yell Eyes Without a Face which is really a weird title he look. He looks like a, a a punk version of Guy Fieri that's not as fat. <laughs> if, if anyone knows what Guy Fieri looks like, he's that weird chef dude. He has, like, yeah, weird spiked hair for some reason. Yeah. Because he's an adult, who can make decisions.
0: Yeah, Billy... I, I, I was actually saying your, your description of Billy Idol that you just did is actually pretty accurate. <laughs> That's pretty
1: funny. <laughs> yeah. Uh, William Bell... Mm-hmm in case we haven't talked about him, which I know we have Hmm. it was one of Stax Records' most consistent artists of the 60s and when he recorded this song in 69 it was a slow more soulful ballad in the Stax tradition that produced a lot of R&B classics Hmm. Um, and really Stax was only kind of second to Motown in that regard however this particular track didn't even crack the top 40 that's too bad I it's guess they forgot the to put it
0: in the top 40. Damn it.
1: I guess it's the most... What's the word? Gap between popularity. Uh, uh, one yeah. About. That's a good point. Um, but yeah, William Bell's cool. He sang the song... He did shit. No. <laughs> the song, He Did Shit. Well, I'm trying to... Because I know
0: he and Judy Clay did Private Number.
1: Yeah, yeah. He had us another song that I like a lot. Like, something holiday and they played a lot around the holidays even though it's not really a Christmas song (laughs) there's a lot of William Bells holy shit so many bells William Bell tuba player what the fuck oh he was oh my god oh my god this this William Bell that I just looked up was the tuba player in the band America oh really (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) that's cool definitely the wrong William Bell um, we have talked like, about America before. I was, I know, exactly. I'm like, tuba? America had a tuba? <laughs> I didn't
0: even know they had a tuba player, but that's right?
1: cool. Um, oh, he did the song, I don't know if we ended up talking about this when we did the episode uh, about uh, infidelity, mm. but trying to love two.
0: That doesn't sound familiar, so I guess we didn't mention it. Oh, that's a shame.
1: What the fuck is that one holiday song? Hold on. Every day will be like a holiday. You know that song, right? Yeah, Every yeah. day will be like a holiday. They always play that around Christmas, and it annoys me because it has nothing to do with Christmas. <laughs> Although neither does. What's that song from, um... uh fuck. The Sound of Music, where it's like, something and something, and I'm being chased by Nazis, and something... These are a few of my favorite things. That's the song
0: oh that is yeah that is weird that is a christmas yeah, song yeah
1: it's not it's it's always played around christmas and ain't got shit to do with i think
0: christmas. i think the reason i want to say the reason for that is that it has like a couple of lines that have to talk about like that talk about snow or something
1: and so you like really because there's never snow in the austrian Alps ever yeah what was i talking about <coughs> i don't remember i, I think we were uh, we you
0: were finishing talking about william bell doing i forgot to be your lover
1: So yeah, William Bell's version is a lot more soulful, whereas Billy Idol's has that kind of quintessential glam punk sound. Hmm. We'll play Idol's version, and then we'll play Billy. They're both named Billy!
0: I was actually going to mention that. (laughs) Damn it!
1: (laughs) We'll play Billy's version, and then we'll play Billy's version. Cool. Billy Bell. Dude, it could have been Billy Broad and Billy Bell. That would have been dope. (laughs) Totally missed an opportunity. I know. 50 years after this song was written, for a stupid ass white kid to make an alliteration of their names.
0: Well, you can't win them all.
1: So yeah, that was I forgot to be your lover by Billy Idol and William Bell. Nice.
0: So that wraps up our list of 80 songs that were actually covers of 60s songs.
1: Sounds good. Yeah. We hope now, you enjoyed it. What? Now now for our next trick, 60 songs that were co- that were originally done in the 80s. <laughs>
0: uh
1: We've got to go back, Marty.
0: Uh, that would be a little bit harder to research, I think. <laughs> but if you liked um this episode that we did, or if you think it wasn't worth the wait with the gap that we had. Yeah. Um, tell us on our Facebook page. facebook.com slash get your funk. And tell us whether or not you actually did get your funk.
1: Yeah. Tell tell us if we filled your funk meter for the week.
0: We love filling your funk.
1: <laughs> oh god. With cheese. <laughs> No.
0: no Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. So if if you uh we're we're, we're going to leave now listeners. Um we'll we'll because be I... cuz Kyle's terrible. So we will uh, we will hopefully make another episode sooner rather than later. So, bye.
1: We love you. For more original
0: podcasts, videos and pop culture news, visit overmental.com.